0: you're listening to mlb.com extras brought to you by mlb.tv it's
1: baseball everywhere hey everyone tim mcmaster here along with aj Casavell, who's back after traveling the i don't want to say traveling the world but you traveled a little bit obviously congratulations on the honeymoon getting back and welcome back to the grind of the slow 2017-18 offseason
0: yeah thanks for thanks for having me back i uh I can't say I'm thrilled to be back after two weeks in Argentina which were which were fantastic. It included a lot of uh a lot of steak, a lot of wine and a lot of traveling, but there there are worse places to return to in the United States than San Diego. So happy to be back and, and ready to kinda of get
1: things going here in twenty eighteen. You can get all that stuff in San Diego, it'll just cost you a lot more. <laughs> I have yeah. nothing to say about that. All right, fine. That's <laughs> what, we'll, we'll move on to baseball. Uh, second base, still an issue for these Padres. I want to start there. We'll also get into uh, a lot of prospect stuff and also the Hall of Fame ballot that's out right now. But they obviously have made some moves. They traded away Salarte. That helped ease the log jam in the infield. They have Carlos Asuaje, though, Corey Spangenberg, Chase Headley. All those guys you know second base, third base in the mix there, what's the current plan as far as you know as far as how this team's going to handle these positions?
0: I don't know if they have a if they have a finalized plan with those three guys yet, I think they're kind of weighing maybe some of their offers trade wise uh in the infield still going forward. I know chase Headley's a guy that that um if the right offer presents itself you know I mean he could be a he could be kind of a useful bat for a for a contender, a switcher uh, who could who could maybe see some useful time but as it stands right now with Hedley on the roster with Hedley probably getting the bulk of the time at third base I'd say there's those three guys competing for two spots Hedley's the favorite for third so that would kind of seem to leave Corey Spangenberg and Carlos Asuahe for second base which is interesting because Spangenberg spent all last season transitioning from second to third and now now that they have another third baseman uh, the question becomes well do do you move him back to second is he is he kind of the guy who can handle playing second base, playing third base, maybe even some left field. I mean, he's told me in the past that he would love to be – he would love to fill kind of the Ben Zobrist mold. Whether that's something he can do, we, we kind of – it, it kind of remains to be seen because last year he spent pretty much all his time at third base with some time sprinkled here and there in left field. Um, but it's its definitely up in the air, and there's, there's another interesting question to be asked if Headley gets moved before opening day, whether – whether that means whether the Padres would just be set then with, with a at second base and Spangenberg at third, or, or do they maybe give a prospect like Luis Urias a chance? Where does Christian Villanueva, who kind of came on onto the scene late last season, where does he stand in all this? Does he have a ch- shot at making the roster? And so there's a lot of questions to be answered. I would guess that we would enter spring training with, with still plenty of those questions unanswered and, and maybe performance or trades or who knows what will, will tilt the balance in in favor of uh, one or two starters.
1: Yeah, all these discussions, I think, are more interesting with the Padres because of the young talent that's on its way as well. With every decision they make, they have to kind of keep an eye down on the farm as well. And that brings us into another discussion, which is the non-roster invites for spring training just coming out today as we record this podcast on Thursday. And it's an interesting group because a lot of those young, talented players are on the list. You mentioned Luis Urias, he's one of those guys. Fernando Tatis Jr., who I know people really want to get a look at, he's on that list as well. Um, it's going to be a fun spring training for you.
0: Yeah, and I think a lot of it's going to be kind of those the, the early part of camp, which can sometimes feel like a little bit of a grind where, where the regulars aren't playing a whole lot. For the Padres, I mean, A.J. Preller has never been one to shy away from from giving his young guys chances. He's He very much uh, goes by the mantra that, that regardless of age, if if their performance dictates it, then they'll get a chance at at the next level. And so he's essentially given uh, big league invites to the entire double-A rotation. He's given a big league invite to Fernando Tatis, who's 19 years old and and spent most of the season last year in single-A. And so uh, I think uh, the the beginning of spring training will probably be as interesting as as any part of camp because you'll get a chance to see Fernando Tatis probably combine with Urias as, as maybe the Padres' double-play duo of the future. You'll get a chance to see guys like Cal Quantrill, Joey Lucchese, Eric Lauer. Um, I don't think any of those guys, aside from maybe Urias, has a chance to make the big league roster, but in a way it's an audition for some of them for potential midseason call-ups. And I, I think especially with some of the pitchers, uh, the Padres uh, think they're they're progressing uh, pretty quickly and, and could see uh, maybe a Quantrill or a Lucchese Uh, breaking the big leagues sometime later in the season. And so it's an audition for some of these guys. It's the first chance for the the Padres to see them against major league talent. And I think for a lot of Padres fans, it's the first chance to see these guys on the field playing, playing with Padres across their chest.
1: Yeah, and for the pitchers, it's pretty clear the team is kind of leaving openings for these guys to make their way at some point, um, whether they're, you know, signing short-term deals with guys or non-roster invites outside of the organization to stopgap the rotation until some of these guys are ready and they can battle it out for spots in that rotation. The top 10 position lists are coming out this weekend next on MLB Pipeline. They started on Tuesday with right-handed pitchers Wednesday was left-handed pitchers, and that's when the Padres kind of got to flex their muscles a little bit, A.J. Uh, Mackenzie Gore checked in at number one. Adrian Morahone checked in at number six. Anytime you have two players on any of these top ten lists, it's pretty impressive. And to, to be two left-handed pitchers is even more impressive. Now, Gore is obviously a long way away, but has all the signs of being a top-level guy. Um, this is, uh, these are exciting times because you mentioned the double-A guys, and, and obviously Gore's not even to that level yet.
0: Yeah, I think it was a, that's, that's a pretty good assessment, that they're kind of leaving the rotation open for some of these guys to come in and seize those, seize those spots. We talked about the double-A guys. Uh, they, they're all going to get their chance soon enough, but – I think the real strength of the Padres' system resides, pitching-wise at least, resides in, in those lower levels with Mackenzie Gore, Adrian Morejon. Michelle Baez is another example. He didn't crack the top ten righties, but he's, he's another guy who I think people are very high on. And, and with Gore and Morejon, I think the, the most impressive thing about them both being ranked so high on the top prospects list is both of them are 18. And I think a lot of time with, with these lists, you see maybe a more polished guy or, or a, more, a guy whose skill set might be a little more honed. Well, both of them are both of them are, are still somewhat raw, and I think they're they're just so they're just so talented that that you kind of start to build a rotation in San Diego, or at least the plan is in the next two years you build a rotation in San Diego with some of these Double A guys, the Cal Quantrill, Eric Lowers, whoever else comes in and makes an impact, and then theoretically you have these two young stud left-handers who can who can come in and and maybe put that rotation from from an adequate young rotation kind of over the top into into what the Padres hope is a contender for a few years to come.
1: Yeah, the positive of them being 18 years old is you can really dream on these guys being special pitchers. The negative is obviously a lot can go wrong, but that's just the way it goes with prospects for sure, and the the key is to have a lot of them, and the Padres certainly have that taken care of right now. Things look bright for the future in San Diego. I want to talk about the Hall of Fame a little bit as well, and Trevor Hoffman, so close a year ago, 74%. Of the ballots he was on in 2017, you have to get to 75 to get into the Hall of Fame. And this year is shaping up to be really similar. Currently, um, the last time I checked the online totals, he's at 77.8%. We're about halfway as far as the ballots that have been reported. The announcement coming out next Wednesday. Usually those percentages drop as we get closer and closer to the actual announcement so it makes you think, A.J., that maybe for the second straight year, Hoffman could end up just missing out on the Hall of Fame.
0: It's going to be close again. I think that what we noticed with Hoffman the first two years, though, is a lot of those writers that kind of that, that don't reveal their ballots until after the voting or, or don't reveal their ballots at all, those ballots are usually smaller. But in Hoffman's case, he's actually been more immune to that maybe drop-off than some of the other guys were. And so... Uh, if you if you just look at trends, I believe uh, he's he's gained a few votes. He's gained probably seven or eight votes, and he was five votes short last year. Now it's a matter of first-time ballots, or do guys maybe leave him off their ballot with, with, as as it gets possibly more crowded? It's it's going to come right down to the wire, but um, I think I think that the, that the the concept that uh, a guy who has 78% of the revealed ballots before the uh, before the actual results are announced. Uh, usually that number dips. But with Hoffman in the past, that dip hasn't been as, as extreme. And I think he'll be he'll again be right around 75. Uh, I'm I based on what I've seen in the voting and, and kind of how trends work historically. I would I would I don't I know Padre fans won't, only, won't want me to jinx this, but uh, I, I think his chances are probably pretty decent of making the Hall of Fame this year.
1: Now, the silver lining, if he doesn't get in this year, is that next year is the first year that Mariano Rivera will be on the ballot, uh, who will certainly be a first-ballot guy. Um, And you think about the two awards right now for best, uh, best closer in baseball. The National League Award is the Hoffman Award and the American League, the Rivera. It would be kind of fitting for those guys to go into Cooperstown together. I'm sure Hoffman would rather get in there this year. But if he has to wait another year, that would be pretty cool.
0: It'd be a cool. It'd be a cool kind of setup for baseball. You can kind of honor it to a, to the two arguably best closers of all time. Uh, and the one thing I, I I keep coming back to with Padre fans who are who are upset that Hoffman hasn't been uh, inducted yet is the Hall of Fame is the Hall of Fame. Whether you get in on the fifth try or whether you get in on the third try or whether you get in the first or the tenth or whatever, it's you're a Hall of Famer the minute you get in, and it's no fun sitting around waiting and hoping and and not knowing whether he's going to get in, but if trends are, if the trends hold hold up, he's he's going to get in at some point. And if it's next year with Mariano Rivera, if it's this year, if it's, I mean, God forbid for Padre fans, a few years down the road, it, it it seems likely he gets in eventually. And once once he's in, he's he's a Hall of Famer. And there's no, I know some people like to make a big deal out of first ballot or whatever, but the Hall of Fame is the Hall of Fame. And if you qual, if you're a Hall of Famer, uh, I think that that pretty much says it all. There's no. There's no qualification
1: to that. Yeah, just ask our our MLB.com co-worker Jack Morris, who is finally going in this summer after 23 years. He waited the five years, then 15 years on the ballot, and then a few more years until the Veterans Committee could take care of him. He doesn't care. I mean, he cared during those 23 years, but now that he's in, he's in, and um, he'll just uh, take that at that. All right, the other guy with Padres Connections is Fred McGriff. Just spent a couple of years with the Padres, really, 91, 92, part of 93. 84 home runs with the Padres. He was an all-star in 92. Uh, He's in his ninth year on the ballot, 18% right now. So not looking great for McGriff, but another guy with some Padres ties that is on this Hall of Fame ballot with one more year after this year. That has been MLB.com Extras, our Padres edition for A.J. Casabelle. I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time.